Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hello, everyone. AMD here. Thank you for tuning in. Another week, another episode. I am super stoked. I'm always stoked, though. Isn't that what they say? We have a great episode for you tonight. Every time I do this, I have a great fucking time. And huge shout out to sex workers for always brightening my day. Today, I had the chance to meet a new sex worker. Her name is Natalie. And I met Natalie through a referral from a past podcast guest named Glenn, who you should have listened to his episode if you didn't. You'll find that one. And I have to say that I like this idea of meeting new strippers slash sex workers through referrals from other strippers slash sex workers who think like you know people that I don't know. And I, it's really important to me and to the team behind Yes, the Stripper podcast to bring forth voices that we don't have the opportunity to find because, well, number one, we're so shadow banned that people that we should be able to discover were unable to do so because it's harder through the algorithms of social media to be able to find amazing people. So I say all of that to say that if you know someone who you think that their voice should be amplified, um, that their story, you know, that you'd like to offer an opportunity for their story to be told or like, just hit us up. Seriously, like, this podcast is such community to me that that's that would be the first word that comes to my mind if somebody were to say like what word would define your podcast succinctly i would say community 100% community and um my second word would be education <laughs> because man, we spent a lot of time educating these civilians out here and Hey, shout out to all you civilians who've been tuning in, um, and learn a thing or two from all of the amazing voices that come onto this podcast. So, um, so yeah, if you know someone, you know, please shoot us a message, send us some referrals because there are some really amazing untold stories out there that um, I think are really important for other people to hear. And so Natalie is one of those people. Um, she was so insightful and, but, but also like gave me food for thought. And, and I found myself asking her questions to like really dig and get in there. Um, and before I knew it, <laughs> um, I was speaking about deeper things, you know, in the pod, the episode's supposed to be about her. And then there I was like telling part of my story. And I think that's one of the things also I love about having these interviews is that it's, it's, it feels very symbiotic at times. 
And um, I, I really do feel like when I'm in the process of interviewing someone that I learn something new about myself and I have my, my eyes are more open to experiences that I've had for the last 20 years that I can't pinpoint because I have such an amazing opportunity to talk to so many insightful people. And Natalie is definitely one of those characters in this narrative. So... Um, I'm really excited for you to listen as always. And, um, don't forget to send out some of those referrals of some amazing potential new guests. I hope that you're all feeling safe and healthy out there and let's switch over to Natalie so you can get the full experience. Hi everyone, I'm so excited to introduce you to a new guest, someone I've never met before. Those are some of my favorite interviews. Today I have with me Natalie, but before we talk to Natalie, you know, I just wanna say a big huge thank you to all of you out there who have been sending in donations and uh, you know, keep them coming, basically. If you haven't donated yet, we would just love it. I literally, my panties get wet every single time I get a PayPal notification. And, you know, this PayPal money goes towards paying our guests, paying our future hosts. And ideally, once we raise enough money, I really want to retroactively pay our past guests because I just, I wouldn't feel right paying new guests and, and like being like, oh, sorry that I interviewed you 20 weeks ago and didn't have money then, but I'm paying these people now. So your donations go a really long way. It really, it goes into the pockets of these strippers and sex workers that come and spend time with us here on this podcast and share their life stories and put their heart out there for you all to listen to. So please, if you love this show and you're tuning in, please send your donations to paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. And have no fear, we are working on finding advertisers and sponsors as well. So it's kind of like this collective effort. All right. So one more time, paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. Thank you for listening to that PSA. So, hello, Natalie. Thank you for Hi. being here. Thank you for having me so much. Oh, yes, absolutely. And Natalie, would you please tell our audience what your pronouns are? It's she, her, they, them. Thank you. Those are my same pronouns, too. Cool. Good to Yeah. Time. Yeah, and it, it took me a minute to get there, you know. I just, I really wanted to be sure. So many questions swirled around that for me so and, and I'm inspired by people like you who were doing that and like showed me the way basically so thank you I identify it took a minute for me to put them in my bio even though I wanted to to even take up space using they them pronouns um, but also I think gender is a sham even as I raise little children and I see how gendered our childhood experiences um, really yeah. want to divest from compulsive gender. Yeah. 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 You strike me as a person who does not live or want to live. Cause I don't know your, all your details, but like within the constructs of society, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what I picked up a little bit from, um, stalking you on Instagram. I, I guess that's true. I mean, I don't know if you felt like this. I'm 36. And so as I age, I'm just more and more myself. And if I, if I step outside myself for a second and look around, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of doing things different. <laughs> a 
especially parenting gives you a real mirror to like um to the ways in which you're similar and the ways in which you're different from the society you're in so yeah thanks for that I'm also an Aquarius so okay I love that we're big weirdos (laughs) is is that true I didn't yeah I mean other I can't speak for every Aquarius sometimes I'm just like I think this is because I'm an Aquarius I get that I get that yeah and um I think that you're kind of witchy too and I definitely want to get into that but Mm -hmm. you you mentioned having children and um uh how many children do you have I have two. Mm-hmm. One of them's nine, mm-hmm. and he's a boy. He identifies as a boy. One of them we don't know yet, um, but sh- I use she/her pronouns, and she's two. Nice. And yeah. so, did you? I hope you don't mind and stop me at any time. But did you have a conversation around pronouns and gender identity with your son? I continuously do it um, because. Yeah, I, I continue. We have a lot of trans folks around us, which has really helped. I don't yeah. like these trans people's lived experience as teachers, but he's had really, really strong trans friends, trans yeah. adult friends that have helped him um, just kind of, I feel like have a much larger grasp of gender than most adults that I see around me. Yeah. <laughs> but he says right now he he's he wants to use he, him pronouns. He That's really nice. feels like a boy or whatever that feels like. So, yeah, I just, I can't imagine like when I was that age, like I think back on the time and how much everything's just changed so much, you know, from when, cause I'm 40. So we're, we're similar. We're in the same age mm-hmm. group and it was just so different then. And I remember like playing with the boys all the time and like, but being a, a girl and, you know, just, so interesting and I'm so excited for this new generation to have like exposure to what we just didn't have the opportunity to have exposure to. Me too. I really am. Yeah. 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 And and your children are beautiful by the way. Um because you. you post about them, not because I'm being weird or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank yeah, you. they're they're really beautiful. Yeah. So um I wanted to go back to like there's something that you mentioned that I kind of discovered. You said happy Ostara on, um, on a post. And I was, I was like, I'm really curious about that. I've never heard that word. So I've, I'm about to learn something really new. Would you mind sharing that? Well, I, that's so interesting. (laughs) I'm not the expert on this. I was hanging out with a friend who was like, it's Ostara, which is tied into Easter. Um, so I, this isn't part of my practice, but, um, I was like, let's celebrate, you know, I'm down to celebrate any day. And so I guess it has similar, I couldn't speak with any kind of like, okay, I can't really speak on it, but I, my friend was saying it's related to like springtime and fertility. Okay. Those kind of things. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe it was like a witchy practice or something like that. Yeah. I think it's like European, um. I think it's a like European tradition. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would love to learn more about Ostara because I want to know more about being a witch, Mm -hmm. and I and I just kind of get this vibe from you that you're like (laughs) like very in tune with 
um, nature and the, and, and the earth. And, um, and I noticed that you're also into the magician card in tarot. Mm -hmm. And so I was just kind of hoping you could expand on like, what like speaks to you and because you just to me I don't know there's something about your energy that I'm just dying to know more and like peel back the layers of you yeah you're so sweet well um (laughs) I think actually it ties into sex work because I feel like having especially I've been doing this work almost 20 years and I don't I wouldn't say that I'm trained but I've always been magically inclined like my auntie gave me a tarot deck when I was like five and took me very seriously as a tarot reader it was helpful to have adults take me seriously yeah and so I've always kind of felt magical or seen things in a synchronous like see how the the dimensions overlay on top of each other and then having so much time to have my work not be a nine to five to have like creative work and also really magical work I don't know I feel like all strippers believe in magic, right? Because you just know when you're on stage and you're like, I'm in it, you know, like people are only seeing what I want them to see. And then you also know when you're not in it and where shit just doesn't feel right. You're not like, people. It, it's just like having so many years, I guess, in doing sex work of various kinds has really helped me hone my magical practice, kind of like put intent and see learn how to glamour people, learn how to cleanse energy, learn how to like pattern recognize in my own self. I felt like every day at the strip club was like an acid trip. (laughs) Um, Um, And I I don't drink. So it was all very much just like, just being in such a place of just pure energy and chaos um, was just, it just taught me a lot, I guess I should say. Yeah. yeah. I love what you said about pattern recognized. Can you elaborate on that? Um, so I think my time stripping, I did a lot of work pattern recognizing. Like I came into sex work. I, I was a dom before I was a stripper. All of it kind of happened accidentally as life flows. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came into dancing, I was like a sexual abuse survivor, um, really, really scared of intimacy scared of my body didn't think I could dance like all the things and so giving myself that's I learned a lot and grew a lot in sex work and giving myself that space to engage with people and engage with with sensual energy um in a way that had boundaries that were enforced by other people like like bouncers or the club gave me a lot of time to like dive into myself learn how to dance learn how to be perceived learn how to like own my 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 sexual energy learn how to project learn how to put boundaries in and like protect myself too so not all of it was out there you know you, people see what you want them to see um and so I guess in that as I look at like the trajectory of my stripping career there was a lot of like just a lot of like um mental emotional spiritual work that was going on while I was like dancing for dollars <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it totally makes sense. It totally, 100%. Because for me, like, I remember times where, you know, it's it's slow. It was slow in the club, but you still have to be there. And so, yes. you know, what are you going to fill your time with? Like, for me, it would be like, you know, like that, cur- that picture of a cartoon was in my brain. Like, do, 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 like 
just actively working and like thinking and, and <sighs> using my time in a valuable way when I was just waiting for mm. the next person to walk through the door that might be my bank for the night, you know, instead of mm -hmm. sitting in the back on my phone, which is also very fun at times, but like, you know, really like diving deep. And then sometimes, you know, I even went through periods of like, what am I doing here? I would have moments like that as well. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Yeah, the what am I doing here? I don't know if this happened for you, but I would really, really trip on how how much like my outer presentation was leading for me, you know, and how critical it was that I pay attention to my outer presentation. Because when I was introduced to sex work, I was introduced to Dom and fetish and fantasy. And so like the things I learned in there is how specific sexuality can be like how and how individual you know it's like people would come in and want to see your dirty feet they'd want to see your clean feet they'd want to see you dressed as the grandma they'd want to see you know big people they'd want to see small people and so from that I really it was very permissive in a way to really go into like what makes this person hot you know and then when I started stripping I was like oh no this initially is a dialogue with like cultural perceptions of hotness like I am performing desirability based on like the club I'm in based on who my clientele is and I'm having to like put on this cartoon of hotness and desirability um and perform it and I learned a lot in that way too but I would go through it with my body I would go through it with aging I would go through it when I would just be like I don't want to pretend I'm 24. I want to, I want to see what 30, I want to be 33 and look 33 and act 33. But, you know, um, and then I would, then it's felt like a cycle where you like regenerate. I feel like, I feel like we're all regenerative, but I feel like sex workers have the edge on regeneration, you know, of like putting our energy out, calling it back, regenerating, like just the creative output of only selling your own sexual energy. It's like, that's magic, you know, like that's the curriculum if you want to learn how to do some shit. Like that was what I was noticing when I was dancing in my time dancing. Yeah, yeah, you just like a million questions popped into my head just now. And like, <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that you said, you know, how you came from doming and, and I know a couple of doms and you're right. It's very specific and very eclectic, like the desires mm -hmm. of the client. Whereas in the strip club, you're right. It's like, no, I want hot women and like this particular height and size and look and, and strip clubs are very much like that where, you know, the managers that are in charge of hiring, it's like a very specific look and style whereas in doming and the other you know forms of sex work you came from is like very like just different and mm -hmm. and so it's just hitting me now that I was in like 18 years of this work that it was ex it was constantly expected of me to look and be a certain way all the time in order to be successful yeah. And it's almost like, like I loved that job, but like sort of like mentally and emotionally abusive at the same time because of 
society mm -hmm. in general, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And I feel like a lot of times I'm shy to have these conversations with anyone other than a sex worker because I don't want the general public to be like, it's mentally and emotionally abusive. It's like, fuck you. Like work is mentally and emotionally abusive. Exactly. But in internally, and this is why I feel like it's such a, it sucks that our work is devalued and it's not, and it's not seen as something you really need to have elders and training and a curriculum around learning. Like our work is so it's so beautiful and it's so it requires so much of you that like it sucks that our work the structures of our work burn through people and so many people are lost under how grueling this work is and we don't have like we don't have structural support to really make make people still stay whole as they do this and a lot of people still stay whole but we're always reinventing the wheel and i think this is like our work is some of the oldest work that exists like um, right well yeah and so like it's important that we're even able to have these conversations with each other to be like how do you deal with like performing hotness like un like what even is hotness how do you deal with performing hotness how do you you know when we know that when we get in the back room people want all kinds of things you know people want to smell our dirty armpits people want people like us because they like our spirits they like you know it's but when we're on stage and people are throwing dollars and men are performing for each other and we're performing this like hyper sexualized hotness like um like how like how do we deal with the toll that that takes on us <laughs> you know right. um yeah as you speak so much comes up for me because i really respect i respect you a lot i've stopped you a lot oh thank you. <laughs> um thank you. i'm sure you have like i'm so happy this podcast exists because you're oh, such a thank you yeah me too um because of all of you and i've had such a wonderful opportunity to meet so many amazing people all over the world and um i'm it's one of the things that keeps me going every day. You know, mm -hmm. we did this strong through the pandemic and, and one of the benefits of the pandemic was it forced us to do this online. And so it opened up, um, so many new guests and so many more opportunity. And, um, like, I don't want to go back to the studio. Sorry, Mackenzie and network. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want to keep talking to new, like all over the place people. Um, yeah, so, and I did want to make sure that, like, any civilians out there listening understands, like, the mental and emotional abuse that's attached to what we deal with inside of the clubs is based on the constructs that have been built by society about how people should look. And I say people because not all of us, even that are female presenting, necessarily um, identify as women, and, um, and, and that is a whole other ball of wax and and the social contracts that we live under and and i'm convinced that it's not the strip club it's not the strip club business maybe culture yes because it's run by men mostly but it's society that has sort of built this image and idea of strippers and then the strip clubs feed into that and it's just like the cycle of like this is how women and i'm using that in quotations because that's what's mostly presenting in strip clubs this is how they're supposed to look this is how they're supposed to be and it's like well who's making all these rules anyway who right right literally i want to know who 
<laughs> I want to know too. I want to know too. Yeah, and so it brings me to this point about something that you wrote, and and you wrote that consensual reality is dead. Please tell me what you meant by that, because I'm wondering if it's kind of tying into what we're talking about right now. I mean, I try to affirm that for myself a lot, and I've learned that so much with dancing, because I would have to do so many affirmations to walk in that door and be naked in front of people. And I would have to be like, you know what, these are all, these are all the things that you can do to, to be what you need to be on stage. Cause I didn't take it lightly. I had a lot of trauma with, I had a lot of sexual trauma. Like it wasn't easy for me to be naked on stage sober <laughs> as a non-dancer, as a former, you know, ugly kid, like, <laughs> um, and so I think that internal awareness of consensual reality being dead and me having something inside me that I wanted to project on stage and then watching when I would successfully project it and the audience would respond. Like I was like, oh, whoa, like I can do that, you know? And then having a decade doing that, you kind of learn some stuff. And then I thought it was really exciting in 2020 especially, I mean, there were a lot of terrible fucked up things about 2020. I don't want to be a person that's like 2020 was great. Right. But one of the things I noticed as it was early lockdown and folks were kind of in a tailspin about like, what are we doing? That people started getting radically different sleep schedules from each other. We were all just very much inside ourselves and we weren't really like a lot of the things that form consensual reality were kind of glitching. Like I, all of my friends and I were on different sleep schedules. We were just kind of like going to our own places and all having very different fears come up with the pandemic. And as, and I felt like reality itself was kind of glitching. It was like, I felt like we were kind of like, like the future wasn't predetermined, you know? And so much of like the narrative that we were telling ourselves about what was happening in that moment was what was, what was going to affect the next moment. Um, and I just really felt that vibe so much. And I still feel like consensual reality is dead. I feel like even the internet and us being able to be our own media sources to each other um, is doing something around how we process reality um, and the narratives we create about what's going on. About what's going on and what's been going on as well. You know, like, our history and like and and I'm so yeah I and the consensual reality of like this is how a sexual woman should appear and it's like no 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 first mm -hmm. of all let's stop let's stop just putting that on women because it's people um and let's stop like placing this like box like creating these labels and boxes like this is what a good looking or like desirable person looks like. And mm -hmm. I think through like all of these new nuanced conversations that we're having, like, yes, that reality of like the consensus is just being like dismantled because what I mm -hmm. know and see now is so different than my 20 year old self. So different. Yeah. Yeah. And honoring the subjectivity of people's experience. Like, I think that's just such a key as we move forward because folks, I think specifically folks that are really trying to hold on to power 
who are non-marginalized want to dictate the narrative of marginalized people. And it's just like, you can't, like, it's really like until folks can shut their mouth and just be like, this person is having an experience that I don't understand because I can't understand it. And like respecting where folks' lanes are. And I'm still learning that all the time. I would say I'm not, definitely not perfect. But like, then we can really get a grasp on like, how to even move forward in a human way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I keep forgetting because we move so quickly with the, in this digital age that we're in that we all need like time to process. And I'm just like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I want to hurry up. I want you to hurry up. I want everyone to hurry up, hurry up, get there, get there so that we can all live a higher conscious type of in a, in a higher conscious type of um, reality and society. And like, you know, that we're such, mm. we're so higher conscious that we become God ourselves as like a, an energy Ooh, cloud uh -huh. in space. <laughs> like, can we get there now? <laughs> For real. I'm with you. I'm with you a thousand percent. <laughs> um, Star Trek really helps give me a lot of ideas. I learn a lot Ooh. from Star Trek. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting like lessons on that show. <laughs> Well, I might have to start watching Star Trek. Yeah, and that's where I got the idea of like beings turning into a god cloud that they reach such yeah. a higher consciousness level that their energy collectively became a god cloud in space. Oof. Oof. I'm with it. I mean, yeah. It wouldn't even surprise me <laughs> right now that it's somewhere, <laughs> that that's somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. The way stuff is going. I mean, already being able to communicate on the internet, it's like we're really starting to share even memes. It's like you can see a picture and know what that emotion means. Like, and you can like, you can, yeah, I'm sure I'm saying stuff that's already been said, but like. No, no, not at all. You're not. No. And you're right. Because <laughs> when we look at memes, we, we don't think like, I'm usually like, oh, that's hilarious. But I'm not thinking like, oh, an entire world event with feelings is so succinctly put in this one image with this text that I mm. fully it's resonating with me in an instant oh yeah yeah I get excited about that shit because it can get real I can get real heavy with it if I like look into the future and see only the things that terrify me which are a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> And so then I can, if I can like peek out on like how memes are cool and how we're, how we're becoming more telepathic, which I think is the next edge for all of us. And I think again, sex work like honed my telepathy so much, like being able to read people's energies and, and serve them in that way. Um, not to bring everything back, but I just think sex work is such a curriculum and it can be a lot of different things that can be really hot, like not the right path for certain people. But for me, um, it was a curriculum to become telepathic. And then I, if I can geek out about things like memes and how we're all able to like encapsulate these like complex things that we're trying to communicate in like a small five second TikTok video and how like we're all on that. I'm like, yeah, we, like I have faith. Um, yeah. 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 And I, I appreciate you circling it back and bringing it back because <laughs> like, I firmly believe that sex workers are, um, you know, how do I put this? Uh, heroes, 
um, <laughs> like, you know, creators of understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So smart. So fucking smart. You know, in like intelligences that we do not even have names for or words for. And oftentimes we have to perform not smartness. And that's part of how smart we are. <laughs> it's just like performing, you know, and like keeping, keeping the things we say to ourselves or to each other, the things we see and know to ourselves and to each other. Um, I think all marginalized identities have like their own intelligence that is invisible to like the status quo, um, which is tragic because like if, if mar marginalized people across all different margins could like speak what they know, like our society would be so much smarter. Um, but that said, like I've never met a sex worker who isn't smart in this one kind of way. We can be really dumb in other kinds of ways. I've been really dumb <laughs> in other kinds of ways, you know? Um, so I'm not trying to like, you know, paint a rosy picture, but there's a certain, a certain just thing you need to survive. Yeah, and what I sort of surmise as one way is that, like, we just have so many experiences with so many different people that you just, we absorb and download so much information and every experience that anybody has, you're learning from it, ideally. And when we have... 50 to 100 experiences a night, three to four, sometimes five nights a week. Like, that is a lot of personal, interpersonal experiences that, like, you can't duplicate that in many other jobs, maybe bartenders, but it's very different because it's not them, it's the drink, you know? Mm -hmm. So, for real, you said it. For yeah, real. yeah. I want you to say some stuff about Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving's, <laughs> Thanksgiving's trash. <laughs> um, Thanksgiving's been trash. Um, I know. Yeah, I used to like. I used to fast on Thanksgiving, but then I got pregnant and have been breastfeeding, and I'm like, don't fast because like right. a bitch is hungry. <laughs> yeah but um yeah I think Thanksgiving's trash and I'm also like I understand like the wherever anybody is I'm not one to tell anybody where where they should be as I get on this podcast and tell folks <laughs> but I used to, I don't even really believe in like Friendsgiving or anything like it's such a tragic day that for us to be giving our energy of gathering and feasting even if we're like Thanksgiving's trash like it's not for me, you know, I'll choose another day. I'll choose, I'll choose like a different day, but I understand everybody's on different, has different feelings about it. Yes. I, I do think that days like, I think as Americans, we can like get really cerebral with our shit and be like, well, I'm, I'm going through the motions of this things, but it doesn't matter. Cause I'm, I know it's fucked up, you know, but I, I also think that the things we do have energy and like, and like gathering is a ceremony, feasting is a ceremony, um, being yeah. together is a ceremony. So what are we pouring our energy to um, matters, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, thank you. And 
Yeah. So one of your posts was like, Thanksgiving can suck a dick or something like that. I think that's those were your words. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. the word dick well, was, it was in there. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the same post that you were talking about where I talked about our near-death experience, which happened around Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, and so I was just kind of tying it all together because I was posting on Thanksgiving, but I didn't want to be like, I'm grateful for this and that. That was just me being stupid on the internet. <laughs> no, it, um, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Before we get to the one thing that you just mentioned, the um, the near death experience, um, yeah, I I have this really weird relationship with Thanksgiving, so I was really grateful to see that post because I mm. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because it's the one holiday where my whole family gets together, and it's the only thing that is important to me in that moment. But I've known mm. for a while, I'm like. But no, you know, and so a part of me, so I denounced Christmas years ago. I'm like, no more, no more Christmas. Like, I don't celebrate Christmas. I'm a mm. huge Grinch, bah humbug, no Christmas. And so now lately I've been like, oh, does Thanksgiving have to go too? Am I going to have to tell my family? Like, bye, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing Thanksgiving anymore because it's mm. so tragic and violent and horrific, the things that happened surrounding that holiday and so I was really grateful to see somebody else be like no fuck Thanksgiving and I was like okay like I need to like really get there you know mm. man it's I admire your ability to speak truth to your family though and to like speak your truth because that would be hard for me like really? and a Thanksgiving like and it's beautiful that you find like that it's like a beautiful thing for your family to be together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And that you want to be with your family. Yeah. But I'm also like, you know what, what y'all do to the turkeys is fucked up as hell as well. Like I don't eat turkey. I don't eat birds. And like, I don't eat any, I don't eat meat. And like what the turkey thing is so horrible. Horrible. Word. Yeah. 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 You, maybe you are like the one in your family to be like, can we gather together on grandma's birthday or something? Like maybe you're the one, I don't know your family dynamics. I know that I sometimes feel very mute in my own family. Really? Um, so yeah. So I'm like, I'm in awe of you, you know, enjoying time with your family. And then also being like, I'm going to speak my truth about this event. Cause I'll just dip out. Um, yeah. I'll just yeah. dip out and never come back. <laughs> That's not yeah. healthy. Well, I mean, family dynamic yeah. is very complex. And like, I, I think that um, in a lot of ways, I'm privileged, but specifically around my even I have white friends who are like, I can't talk to my family the way you do. I just got very fortunate. And something mm -hmm. you had said earlier was you, um, you know, you, didn't you say you were listened to as a child? Is that something that you said? Am I totally off base on that? Oh, yeah, my auntie took yeah. me seriously as a tarot reader when I was, like, five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's really, yeah. like, vital to, like, development. And so it, it hurts me. I'm, I, you know, I, I want you to find your voice with your family and um, only for mm. selfish reasons because I desire you to be in your full power. Um, and I don't know how I got there. I think from a very young age it was just, like, fuck you, fuck this, fuck that. And they were like, oh, okay. 
don't know how Look that happened. Look at you, a liberator of free and full <laughs> bloodlines. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I had a feeling that you're making my face hot. My face is hot. You you were making my face hot earlier. I was like, my lips were twitching. I was like, oh my God, does she do this to her clients? So it's mutual. Yeah. Hot face for just, hot face. Yeah. You're just like very magical. And like, that was very obvious looking through um, how your friends respond to you and and how much love that they share with you. And so I I told my producer coming into this, I was like, I did tell her and I told you, I might cry on this episode because the stuff I was reading about you is just like, and the way you seem to live and present is just so powerful. And like, so it's surprising to me that you don't feel like you can have that voice with your family because I'm looking at you going like, wow, what a goddess and like just, so strong in your power you know that's that's how i perceive you you're gonna make me cry even, <laughs> even as i went on this podcast <laughs> we're just gonna be crying at the end as i went on this podcast i was like i don't know if i'll promote it on my instagram page because my family's on there and i don't know if my aunties or my brothers and sisters like it's pretty obvious from my instagram that i'm like non-traditional or whatever but i've never really come out and said like the history of my work or even what I do now. Um, and so this could be a key and just, but there's like something inside me that wants to be seen. That's why I wanted to come on this podcast was like, I want to be seen. I want my voice to be heard. I want to hear other people's voices, you know? So there's like a pull for integration, but integration is also like scary, you know? And then there's real like consequences we face in our jobs for being visible you know everybody who's visible is so brave to me like everybody who's like I like teeter on the line of visibility and then I'll come back and like you know yeah I understand that completely I understand that yeah yeah I think a lot of us do yeah yeah as we meander through life and meet new people and yeah, it's it's always it's like fluid and always changing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it's. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're here sharing <laughs> your stories. I'm um, glad too. Thanks for giving all of us a forum. Oh yeah, I I'm honored that so many people want to talk with me. It's it's I I'm um just like you know surprise not surprised but like honored all the time when someone says yes I'm like oh yay you know like so it makes me um it's very fulfilling mm. um yeah um I wanted to just I, I feel like you might have some insight on like sort of like a life since you had a near-death experience but like you know, living life to the fullest and really oh. cherishing each moment because of the experience that you had. And I believe that you were not alone in that experience. And I'll let you decide whether or not to include others. But what that was like, and if you don't want to say who the others are, like collectively as as your group, like what what did you go through in that in those moments and after? If you don't, mm. whatever you feel comfortable sharing, be grateful. You're, you're beautiful. <laughs> you're beautiful. <laughs> but um, it's, I, so I think I, um, 
So I had a near-death experience when I was driving from Oakland, which is where I live, up to Humboldt, um, which is where my children's father lives. And I was doing that drive a lot. The baby was like, she was maybe like 10 months. So that drive is not cute anyways. It's like a five-hour drive. It's fine if you're alone. But with two kids and a baby, it's a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a really, really stormy night. But I was... I felt like I couldn't say no to my children's father because he can put a lot of pressure on like you're coming up tonight and I was like I can't say no so we're gonna do this and I was tired and everything so anyways we were doing the drive um my son and I were having a lot of conversations we were having just like a lot of different conversations we were talking about the faces of our unknown ancestors Mm. and what they might look like and at a certain point the baby was crying and I (laughs) We were saying, I want to put the faces of our unknown ancestors on a flag. I don't know where that conversation was coming from. I was just trying to talk, but you know, I also like, I talked to him um, and he likes to talk too. And then there was a point in the car drive where I asked my grandmother who passed on to be in the car, which I asked her a lot because she raised eight babies. She had 13 pregnancies. And I'd, sometimes I don't know how to do it with my two kids, you know, and the baby was crying. I was just like, Ray Ray, please be in the car because like, this baby's crying. And when your baby cries, you can't focus. Um, So anyways, we were just going around, going the speed limit, looking on the road, but we just hit ice. And it was on one of those windy roads and the car flipped like four times. And like, as the car was flipping off a cliff and as the car was flipping, it was just like everything slowed down so much. And I felt like I was in a dice. And I just kept saying like, the babies are alive. I'm alive. The babies are alive. I'm alive. The babies are alive. I'm alive. And like, it lasted forever. And I felt like in that moment, I also like cashed in something like, um, some kind of like thing. Like, I was just like, here's all the good I've done in the world. Like here, if you can let my children live and let me live, like here it is, you know, like this is like my rent or something like that. Um, and so And we landed, we didn't fall off the cliff. We landed upright, the baby was crying. My son was shaken up, but my phone was in the car. And so I was like, it was like the dark and I got them out. And then like, I was like, shit, I gotta get back in so I can call somebody. And I was worried that the car was, I was just shaking, you know, my body was in pain. And like, I was worried that like the car was gonna fall off the cliff. I got the phone, I called, we like made our way up. The person behind us actually saw us flip. And so they called too. And as I was bringing them up, I was like, oh, they're alive, but you're dying. Cause I had like a bunch of pain. And then I was like, I really want to live. And um, that was the first time I ever felt that. Like, I want to live, you know, like I'll like take it for granted. But I was like, no, I wish to live. Like (laughs) was the first time I really felt that. And since that moment, like I haven't had the same, cause I can sometimes be depressed. Like I haven't had the same, like, why am I here? You know, or like, like I needed to assert that, you know? Mm -hmm. So we ended up going to the hospital and we were all fine and we've held a trauma from driving. (laughs) Sure. But I also learned to, to be able to say no, to like say no, even if I'm afraid, like I should have told my, my children's father, like, no, I can't do it. It's bad weather. And to also not rush, even though I wasn't speeding, there was something inside me that was like, if sure. I get there at this time, the baby won't wake up. And love it. You know, like all the mathematics we do in our daily life. Like, and I need to constantly remember myself that because I get indoctrinated back into like this thing that I need to be on time for matters. And it matters, but it also doesn't. 
Right. Thanks for asking me to share that. Like, I don't get to talk about that one. So thank you for sharing it. it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've been in an accident. So I know that it can be a vulnerable topic. But I just love that you called on your ancestors to be with you in the car. And like, have you thought like, that they were just actually there with you the whole time? And like, your, your body stayed intact and safe and your lives are here. And like, did, did you contemplate that at all and speak with them afterwards? I've thought of that a lot. And Tiago, my son, when he came out, he said all the trees were bowing to him. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> he said every single, because we go through this little, we go through this little part of the, where the trees are really close. And we always say thank you to the trees. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then right after that, we went off. And the trees literally kind of saved us. Um, but I thought about the ancestors a lot. I just thought about how strange it was. Cause we're not always in that like prayerful talk. Like that's, I just thought of how strange it was that I had like, that we had like garnered all that energy on the drive for this thing that was about to happen that I think was probably fated to happen. Wow. And in the turning of the dice, I also felt like there was an element of choice and I could be wrong because I don't know what it's like to have things go the other way. And like, lose a child lose something you know and I wouldn't ever say to somebody like you chose that because I don't think that's true I don't think like but I do feel like there was a way that the way I make meaning of that was like I had to assert I want to be here you know yeah I had to to say that out loud with all my body with the fullness of it wow I definitely can relate to that yeah that's really powerful wow Thank you so much for sharing that story. Thank you so much for letting me talk this much. Of course. <laughs> yes. Your voice is so valuable and um, necessary. And, you know, I'm, oh, I'm verklempt. I uh, thank you. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's Stripper Tips. Don't date someone you meet in the club. I know this is controversial. <laughs> that was the thing that first came to mind, though. Please don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think a lot. I made that mistake plenty of times. So, <laughs> my children's father is someone I've dated in the club, and that's not the reason I'm saying that, but it's part of the reason. I'm saying that. <laughs> gotcha. don't, don't fucking do it. <laughs> make sure that they can see you as whole you know and like you know and like yeah yeah awesome get ready for our rapid fire question round it's time for four for one what can you do today that you were not capable of a year ago (gasps) skate backwards like on roller skates yes oh i'm so jealous i want to roller skate okay I bet well, you will. I will. I, it's in my, it, I have a huge fantasy. I have a whole thing. I, and I'm going to, you'll be the first one that I send the video to. Trust. Okay, cool. <laughs> I I'm promise. That. Yeah. What would you name a boat if you had one? Oh my God. The first thing, it's basic. The first thing that came to mind was La Sirena, the siren, the mermaid. But the mermaids would probably take that boat in a heartbeat. <laughs> that boat would probably drown. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's hot. All right. What? <laughs> What's your biggest screw up in the kitchen? Oh my God. My entire kitchen is a screw up. I don't cook. 
Well, I cook every day. <laughs> I cook mediocre food for my children every single day. It's all, it's <laughs> all of it. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> <laughs> this be the thing that I love that that's the thing that makes us <laughs> cry. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, last question. If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask? Oh, Jesus. God. Are we artific- are humans artificial intelligence? Like how did it come to be? Are we the AI? That's what I would ask. That's a good one. Yeah. Is this real? What is this? <sighs> What year is it? Does time even exist? Yeah. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> oh my god. So before we close up, I just want to remind about all of our listeners that um, this is currently a listener paid show and it's so we can pay our guests, pay our hosts, and retroactively pay our past guests. So if you love this show, please consider donating to Yes, a Stripper Podcast at paypal.me forward slash Yes, a Stripper Podcast. You can also visit yesastripperpodcast.com and find a donate button on the homepage. So Natalie, it has been such a pleasure and I knew it would be. I could just tell speaking with you today. I'd love for everyone to be able to find out more about you and follow you and um, get to see what I have gotten to see today. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm not super visible. I have an Instagram um, that's mala underscore e, like it's in Spanish. So it's like y underscore milagrosa. Um, It means bad and miraculous. (laughs) And then I wanted to plug my studio, which is Body High Pole Dance. It's a stripper owned studio in Humboldt County. And then I wanted to plug the person whose equipment I'm using. Um, He has a podcast called Queer Stories Podcast. um, That's all about queer history and queer stories. Um, And he's graciously hooked it up right now. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that podcast and the information about you as well. And make sure that you go and follow all of those accounts and get to know Natalie a little better and let her know what you think of her episode. Mm -hmm. And thank you so, so much. I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so happy to meet you too. (laughs) Wonderful. And thank you to everyone out there in listening land for tuning in every Wednesday to Yes to Stripper podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been a production with Period Podcast Network. Find out more on Instagram at Period Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram too at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Please like, subscribe, and rate Yes, a Stripper Podcast here on YouTube. See you next week.